Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And this week, um, I'm really excited because in my studio is my guest today. And my guest is the fabulous Eric Mayron, who is a media technologist. Let's hear it for Eric. Woo! We're already having a good time, aren't we? So Eric is actually in the music business, and Eric uses a lot of technology in what he does. And so we thought it would be fun on a show that really focuses on tech trends and tech trends in business to really spin it around and look at the music industry and how the music industry is, you know, ebbing and flowing with all of this new tech. And Eric also was a parent in my elementary school, and we would always get into these uh, technology conversations. So I really wanted to dig in deeper with him. He has a long history in the music business. So Eric, tell us all about you and and your connection to the music business. I was born on a hot summer day. No, uh, let's see. How do I how do I really start this? I guess I I was always a musician. I started out as a musician. In fact, as I as I trans as I made the transition into what I do now, that that was a big advantage for me because I wasn't just a, a sales guy or a tech guy going, oh, you got to have one of these. You got to have one of these. And you know, that yeah. it was really an application. I understood the application, what we were doing. But then also uh, when I was in high school, I started, you know, I, I kind of forgot about this till recently that there was one of the teachers uh, from the high school that was, he would, you know, what do teachers do in the three months they're off of school? Right. Like, you know, try and have Still some have kind of band. business. Yeah. <laughs> and he was teaching programming, basic programming. Basic was a programming language. It was an, a very early programming language. You had to literally write numbers between each line so that the computer would know what order to run run the, uh, the program in. But I remember uh, at the time he said, well, you can learn on an Apple II or an Atari 2600, which was a, a, an old video game console. And I said, let's learn on the Atari because I figure, hey, the more fun it could be. So that was kind of an early interest in that. And then I... Uh, you became I, a musician? I, I, I always was a musician. You know, so I were you making a living playing? Well, not when I was 16. Okay. So, <laughs> and I, I went to a very... Um, we can get closer up to how old you are now. <laughs> well, this is kind of part of the story yeah. that I went that I went to a a, a very conservatory oriented music school at a very high tech university. I went to UC Irvine at the time when the uh, transition at Apple was going from uh, you know the Apple II to the Mac. And that we were what they called an apple seed university. And yes, they really did call it that. And there were there were three apple offices at the time. One was in New York, one was in Newport Beach, and one was in Cupertino. And UC Irvine is in like the Newport Beach tip, tip, tip of, uh, of Irvine. And so we were like there. So we got all the great technology. We had we had a Mac computer lab before people were really into it. And through that, I started getting into that community and actually did my first studio integration there um, uh, when they made an electronic music studio at UC Irvine, which I, apparently that particular studio still exists and it's expanded. You know, and fast forward many years in a band and um, not, you know, not making great money. But in those years, who makes money in a band? Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
I, uh, I was, uh, my day job was in technology because being part of that early Apple Mac community really hooked me up with a lot of great people. And I was, uh, writing, um, code. Yes. I was coding on a, uh, kind of a high end database. The high end databases have coding languages with them. Mm -hmm. And I was working in a program called fourth dimension. And at the time when it was a cool thing, just to hook a couple computers together, I was on 125 node what they call Landstar Network. It was like an early, it was like a pre-Ethernet thing. And we were doing really high-end stuff. And uh, uh, fast forward years later, you know, I, I was a freelance programmer and I did that for a while and people would hire me to make these custom inventory invoicing databases for them. And at some point, I applied for a job being the uh, product specialist at a place called Westlake Audio. Westlake Audio is a what I call a hub studio. It's a big recording studio that when you work there, you kind of realize how big that whole world is. Yeah. Uh, because there's artists who – oh, it's the dead cat. Yeah, it's uh, my cat. <laughs> we have a mascot here. He's, she's an actual cat. That's thus she's tech cat. She's an actual technology cat a list. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, and at the studio, you realize that – there's many artists, and I guess the, you know, our litmus test was Michael Jackson's sales figures at the time. Yeah. But there are many artists from around the world who, you know, outsell Michael Jackson. But we don't know right. who they are because we don't speak that language. Right. And a bunch of these would come through there. Westlake Audio was made by the guy who makes these very world-renowned studio monitors that go in the wall soffits. And out of that, he had a sales group, a manufacturing group. The sales group was to sell these monitors. And the studio group, uh, things that were recorded at uh, Westlake Audio, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall and Thriller and really high-end. It's a wonderful studio, high-end studio, still exists today. Uh, I was hired to work with the sales group to... Uh, to help the non-technical sales people, because that you know, going from selling monitors became from went to selling all kinds of pro audio stuff right, right. in an era before the internet, when these guys didn't, you know, when the when the famous guys didn't want to go into Guitar Center and subject themselves to mm -hmm. that sort of you know hustle. environment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was to help them uh, spec out the early hard disk recording systems, and I was to help the studio group. Uh, when they had clients who come in who used them to help keep those systems running. The systems, as with everything in 1995 through 98, they were hard to keep running. They were expensive. They were about fifty dollars to $100,000 each. So the music budgets were still big. The clientele we had had the, had the wherewithal to, make, to purchase those systems, and they needed people to keep them running. And I had a unique combination of skills and also a unique gift for it i, I used mm -hmm. to tell people well i didn't really choose this career it chose me so you were were you actually building the systems and was it like editorial for music was it sound was it like what was it yes i was building the systems mm -hmm. uh they were um proprietary cards that went in and really we'd sold other brands but mostly what we sold was pro tools and at that time our tiny little Sales group at Westlake mm -hmm. Audio was the biggest seller of Pro Tools in the world because mm -hmm. people knew that they could. And Pro go Tools is the is the sort of is it still the standard? Absolutely, the sound standard. sound editorial mixing we, we, everything, right? Really, it's a you know the main thing. It's a tracking program mm -hmm. where you can record into it, 
And then, of course, you can mix in there. Mm -hmm. And, of course, editorial, which yeah. has become a big part of, right, of right. how people make records now. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, people would, would come there to get this stuff. And in, in 1998, I left and went on my own. And probably 20 years later, probably five years after that, there was a bunch of people who said that they could keep things running smoothly. And at that point, virtual instruments were becoming were coming onto the scene. And because I was a musician, I began to sort of evangelize that work as well. So is is right now, are most musicians, do most musicians have to be technolo technology proficient? You know, is, is, it, is it okay just to be a guitar player? And even if you're gonna be professional, or do you have to understand how all this technology works? That's interesting because, you know, how many people do we know? I try know? and be interesting. <laughs> well, I said, that's what I meant to say, Laura, but you're interesting. Uh, but, yeah. it, but it is an odd thing because, I mean, don't we all know people, mostly in our parents' generation, yeah, who would yeah. say, well, I'm not, really a, I'm not really a technology person. I'm like, really? You never used an ATM? You're right now, computers are everywhere. Right. And there's some sort of technology. Something. Um, uh Interface for everything. Yeah, the sort of technology interface for everything, including guitar pedal boards, you know, right. and that, that you have them all set up with your different effects so, and they'll so hook to a computer. What, so right now you told me about a few different gigs that you're doing. So what is your role at those gigs? Are you playing or are you setting up all the technology? That's interesting. I'm still a musician and I play with you know, different groups mm -hmm. now, and, but that I'm still, after all this time, I work freelance for some great names mm -hmm. and... Uh, and you're setting up their systems? And I set like up their systems. I keep them running smoothly. Mm -hmm. And then they go off and they make music. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the thing. In the early days, it was much more necessary to have me right on tap. But now the, my, my goal has always been to make the artist independent of me. I knew that there was a lot of tech guys out there right. who talked about how close they were with this guy or that guy. And I thought, geez, if you're that close with the artist or the producer or the composer, chances are your systems aren't running that smoothly. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. And that, that was something that I always uh, told my clients was that my goal is to have you being able to work this independently. Right, and right. Make, make you feel good, take you from zero to 100. Because we're going to have to take a break, but I, I want want to get back to get back talking to you about you know, has the technology democratized to the point now where most musicians can use everything? Because that, that is a big theme right now across the board in tech and content. I hear this over and over again that these big studios and networks are terrified because the consumer has access to all the same stuff. Absolutely. And, and I did, I have a couple of friends that are musicians and I watch them like with the pedals and their little Mac next to them and they loop and they do all this stuff and they're by themselves and they sound like a band, you know? Right. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna take a break, but we're gonna be back with Eric Mayron, who's basically been, um, you know, an integrator for music producers, composers, and recording artists um, for the last- 20 years. 20 years. 23 he, years. But he, he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been <laughs> leveraging tech in the music business, and we're going to um, learn more about how this all sorts out around all the technology trends that are happening right now. So we'll be back in a moment with Eric Mayron, media technologist on the Tech Cat Show.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. And we are back and we are chatting it up with Eric Mayron, who's a media technologist, specifically in the music business, a real rare combination of both musician and technologist. And we were chatting it up with Eric about how has how has the audio and music business really become technology oriented? And I, I was kind of asking you, you know, has has the tech in the music business democratized so that anyone can figure it out? And do you have to be a technologist to be a musician now? Uh, I would say that first and foremost, you want to be uh, somebody who can do that task because everything has migrated to a computer. No matter what you do, your chances are you're going to be doing it on a computer. And as 32 tracks of discrete digital audio comes native on most computers, you buy them, they've got some kind of program on there to do that, uh, that now it really is a thing of, do you have the skills to be producer? Do you have the skills to be an arranger? Or as a recording artist, do you have the skills to put something together that really sounds professional? Professional. And I, I guess that was the thing. And I, you know, the old school guys back when this started happening were like, well, geez, no, no, all the kids have a laptop and they could just do their thing. It still requires a person to have some kind of innate talent to do that particular task. However, how it's changed now is, uh, you know, and the ad business is a great is a great um, example. example of that, that now instead of hiring a composer and hooking them up with an ad company, whatever, and then they write, oh, give us five different examples of what you would do with this. And they have a meeting and they sit down and they talk about it. Now they'll issue an edict with the specifics of what they're looking for. Uh, the people who used to be A&R people um, at the record labels are now uh, independent music supervisors. And they put the call out to 30 or 40 different guys and everybody hustles their best thing. And then they, you know, they've got 30 or 40 different choices one person gets paid 
and and half of that goes to the music supervisor. So it has changed to that. And how the how the music flows and who does what and who and does what and and much more is self-contained. I think the first ones to uh, there used to be a separate producer and engineer and Pro Tools operator. Then engineer and Pro Tools operator became one, and then uh, beyond. And now in many cases. The producer does everything, and uh, one of the changes that's been going on is, well, everybody does it on a laptop. In fact, one VP of A&R uh, had... He and said, what, well, what does A&R stand for? Oh, sorry, Artist and Repertoire. Okay. These are the guys at the record labels who sign the recording artists, and they, they oversee the making of the album. They basically, they're the roster guys. They keep, they they they're responsible for keeping the creative stuff going into the record labels so that ideally they can put it out uh but this one vp had one of my clients who works on a really well outfitted tower he said well just come come on over we can work on the track in our studio here and that'll that way we can we can get it done uh and he's used to every all the producers working on a high-powered laptop mm -hmm. which is interesting and right. then re really now which was a trend for a while people were going from towers like oh look you can do it all on the laptop and, and when you say tower was that a bunch of equipment that was no a tower is a style of computer a desktop. oh right right okay desktop right. right now it's all on the notebooks right but is so, it all mac too uh not all mac but okay. uh there's a lot of a lot of the hip-hop guys are using uh pcs because i don't know more powerful or not necessarily or more software options? Um, not even necessarily. There was something that ran uh, for the hip-hop guys exclusively on PC for years uh, was uh, FL Studio, which is the, the descendant of Fruity Loops. And they <laughs> just recently... Which was is, that like some kind of mixer or something? It is, it is a digital... They call it a DAW, although... We always joke around that if you really say the word DAW, then that's very nerdy. That's very unacceptable. You have to call it, oh, yeah, D Digital Audio Workstation Program. Okay. Like Pro Tools. Okay. Pro okay. Tools was software and hardware. Uh, within the last 10 years, though, Pro Tools has separated that link. So you can use anybody's external hardware with their software. Smart, yeah. And that their software really is wonderful and is capable of keeping keeping people yeah, happy on I mean, its own. What, what fascinates me about something like Pro Tools and what you're talking about is so a musician creates a soundtrack for a movie and now in this new world of immersive technology, I've been to D-Box's studio and D-Box is one of the companies that makes the chair that moves to the movies and that's also part of VR experiences. They're taking, the D-Box technician is taking the Pro Tools track importing it and then adding onto it motion effects in the track of the pro tools and i imagine that, that they i imagine that they send it via midi which is musical instrument digital interface yeah something old to the hardware that shakes and spits out smoke yeah. and rain and yeah, stuff. yeah and i watched him dropping in shake here vibrate here thrust forward here you know that kind of thing i mean it sounds like i'm you know yeah <laughs> but it but it it, you know, this guy was dropping in effects and he was actually artfully creating that, you know, that feeling, um, which, you know, we call haptics, right? right. Um, but but he was adding haptics into the Pro Tool track in a really artistic way. And I really want to encourage you, if you get a chance to experience a D-Box mo uh, D movie, it is so much fun. Yeah. What was the one with uh, uh, the, the Meg? 
Oh yeah, I haven't seen it yet. We but, saw yeah. my daughter and I went and, and saw the in Meg D-box in D-box so, yeah. chairs, and we didn't know what to expect. Very fun time. Well, and when really you, cool. I'm just curious because when you bought the tickets, um, did you know you were buying D-box chairs? Did it say yes, in the experience? Yes, we absolutely knew. And it told you these will be motion-driven chairs and that yes. kind of thing. We yeah. we actually had uh, there was a movie that we were supposed to see at the Chinese theater. And it got canceled or there was something wrong with the movie. And so they said, hey, we'll come back. So we went back because there was, you know, I love 3D movies, technology guy. I love 3D movies. Yeah, yeah. And the, the mag, we wanted to see it in 3D. And this was the only place it was playing. And they graciously let us use our regular 3D tickets for the D-Box. Oh, that's great. D-Box is more expensive. But it's almost like, you know, when you're on vacation, yeah. you know what? You'll pay $20 for a soda. You know, it's sort of like right, that. Right, right, right. Like... But, but when you think of the lifeline of that Pro Tools original recording, because what D-Box is also doing is they're going back in, into old movies and whose Pro Tools files still exist. And they're getting them from the studio and they're doing their thing. So that they're spitting it out for people who have D-Box chairs at home. So they're all about home theaters, too. Nice. And, it, and even regardless of whether the uh, whether the Pro Tools file exists, you yeah. can create a Pro Tools file. You can easily. And just, oh, it's simply, yeah. And just you you synchronize it, uh, you know, with the time code of the movie. And you say this happened exactly the same way you saw, only without that that soundtrack. Right, right. So so there are standards happening now where with music and sound that are following all these different new software protocols. Well, you know, I think what you're talking about is that it's really the D-Box people that yeah. they found a way to fit in to what exists already. Right, right. And is any of that stuff coming your way in what you do with musicians? Are they looking at this stuff? Uh, not yet, because mm -hmm. that's, you know, it's almost like everything's on a computer. And just because you know how to work a computer doesn't mean you know how to do all the tasks for right, the job. Right, right, you know? right, right. Um, likewise, you know, some musicians, some people who can create great sounding stuff and great and well composed stuff aren't really great at editing or moving it or even placing it in the right, film. Right, right, right. You know. So do you have to then? I mean, I, I kind of asked you this before, but I'm fascinated. Do you have to have computer skills to be a good musician right you, now? <sighs> A good musician yeah. can be just somebody who performs. And I guess if you learn the parts, you can play the parts wherever mm -hmm. you are. However, if you're recording, yeah. that's how it's done now. And you have to know that stuff. You have to know that stuff. You, and that you have to, you can't separate yourself from healthy, you know, uh, data safety protocols. You, right. you have to familiarize. You say, oh, I don't know anything about that. My hard drive is all filled up with all these different sessions. No, you've got to get organized and you have to. And protect your IP and, and all that kind well, of stuff. Not so much even about that. You know, the data protection, not so much that somebody's going to come on your computer and steal your stuff. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know, most of the people who I know are really paranoid about that stuff. I'm like, who, what, do you got an FBI file on you? Yeah. Like, you <laughs> who are you? Are you somebody well, bigger than I realize? original music to be stolen, I guess. But, I guess that's right. There's yeah. a certain amount of health apparent, healthy paranoia, but it's a lot of work with, uh, you know, on a Mac and even on a PC now to get in through somebody else's network and be without their permission and be able to grab something from that. And right. even then to be able to say that it's your own because you've got creation dates on all the files. Right. right. So it, it really it, not so much that, but to make your data safe in that. You've got a backup in, a, in an appropriate place of the files you worked on yesterday in case something happens to that hard drive, which as dependable as hard drives are, hard drives 
are can fail because they're hard. they are fail they are yeah. volatile hardware and that's yeah. that's it yeah they're like women right if you don't like treat them well <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny i always tell people you know people make a big habit out of yelling at their computers yeah. and i said ne- never talk to your computer that way on some level they know they know we're yeah. talking to them that way. Yeah, I have a friend who would, would, whenever I was having trouble, he was an IT guy, and whenever I was having trouble with my machine, he would just walk by it and wave his hand, and it would work. Like, he had that juju. Yeah, that there's, like, there is a thing. You know, people will call me up, and they'll say, geez, it was doing this, Eric, but now that I'm on the phone with you, it's not doing it anymore. Right, you have, that, said, like, you have that, magical, yeah. that magical skill set. So if you were to advise uh, someone who wanted to go into the music industry, would you tell them to take you know computer classes like what would you advise them well i think that a lot of people first if they're younger they've already been raised with it it's not like there's a learning curve for them it's just learning how to do something else on the computer and it comes with like my mac comes with garage whatever garage band is outstanding you know seal uses that for his demos uh the guys in oasis use that for their demos a lot of people do that and because a quality of a microphone that you can just get and plug in USB. Yeah. What you get from that, a lot of what was done on the demo can yeah. make it to the final. Right. It's good. It's good enough. So like our our um, bluefin here. Right. Is is good enough for. Um, and this is a great mic. Large yeah. capsule captures yeah. the depth. And you can change whether it's cardioid or unidirectional right. or any other. Right. I love things. that so, stuff. Yeah. And that um, you know when you asked about. Are most people working on a PC? Well, you know, I said Fruity Loops, which, yeah. by the way, just came out. FL Studio just came out with. Actually, Cocoa Puffs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny? It's like, yeah. please, yeah. you had to change the name Is to FL Loops Studio. Is it because you're looping music? Is yes, that what that's what they were calling yeah. Because a lot, the, coming up in hip-hop and DJ music, a lot of the stuff was loop-based. Yeah. But um, there was a program called uh, Logic, uh, which started out on an Atari computer yeah. and then went to PCs and Macs and... I think it must have been 10 or 15 years ago that Apple bought Logic and made it their compute, their music program. Right, right. And the first thing they did was they discontinued PC support for it. Right. So, right. They used a strategery. <laughs> and, then, and then what they did is they, you know, they kept lowering the price. And as soon as. Oh, I see. We've got yeah, we, we have to take a break. Um, and because Eric is in the studio with me, he actually sees the messages about taking the break, which is nice. <laughs> Because I always have to usually wind down my speaker, but um, Eric is... Um, but there's no winding me down. There's That's... no winding him down. All right, so we're going to be back um, in a moment with Eric Mayron, who is dropping some insights on how the music industry is moving forward right now, what you need as an artist, and just how all this new tech um, and programs uh, and the democratization of those programs is, is impacting the industry. So we'll be back on the Tech Cat Show with Eric Mayron, who is wearing around his neck a um, pick then that makes him a musician. All right, we'll we'll be back (laughs) in a moment. (laughs) When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. 
Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everyone. And we are back on the fabulous Tech Cat Show. We've been talking to Eric Mayron, who is a technologist in the music industry and has come up in the business as both a musician and a technologist and sharing some insights on the, you know, where the business is going. So I know you have a bunch of gigs you were telling me about. So when you go to a gig like that, like how does it, what do you do at it? Are you working the tech at the live gig? Are you setting them all up so they can do what they do? Sometimes I do that, but um, I still play. I'm doing a thing. Uh, I, next I, next week, in, this week in downtown LA. That's right, part of the LA Commotion Right, we uh, talked festival. about LA um, Commotion a couple weeks ago because uh, we had a guy named John Deprigant who um, runs this podcast called the Augmented City Podcast. And he's a big speaker at this event because he's all about smart cities and the connected city. And so you're actually playing a gig at that event. On Saturday night, which yeah. Which is a total wacky coincidence, this, but what I, are you doing at the gig? Well, I play keyboards in this particular band regularly. And I do this just for fun, right. you know, because I'm not trying to make it big in the business as right, an artist right, anymore. Right, right. Uh, that um, I and he, By band. the way, he made, like, muscles when he said making it big. <laughs> making it as an artist. It, and it wasn't so much like it was, it was like uh, Steven, whatever, from yeah. uh, Arrested Development. Anyhow, um, but... Um, but I play in a, a, a jam-oriented funk band or a funk-oriented jam band uh, that is the side band of Norwood Fisher from Fishbone, and it's called Trulio Disgracious, and we get a bunch of really well-known players in to play with us, and it's a super fun and cool thing, and one of one of the most fun things about it is that nobody in the band except for a couple of the backup singers thinks that we're going to make it big in this band. <laughs> but through this uh, one of the guys who i um one of the guys who i met in this band is a sax player named scott page who uh was who played with pink floyd for many many years at the end and he put together this celebrity pink floyd tribute band with the purposes of doing uh, um, special events and charity events and corporate gigs so that we're not just kind of slumming it out in the clubs, kind of, you know, 
but uh, so we're doing, uh, we had our first big thing about six months ago at the Peppermint Club, and we played uh, Dark Side of the Moon cover to cover, and then a couple songs after that, and then Truly or Disgracious played. It was a really great night, sold out. And this weekend, we are doing something called The Wisdom uh, with a company who's sponsoring called The Experience Company, and so it's going to be the, 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 our, the band is called Think Floyd, T-H-I-N-K. Oh my God, that's crazy. And yeah. this will be the Think Floyd Experience, and it's this dome, it's this geodesic dome. Right, so in a geodesic dome, we've talked about them on this show many times before, is what a lot of VR companies are doing where they can put the VR on the inside of the dome, and you can have a 360 video experience, but inside the dome. And that's what they're going to be doing. Yeah. They're going to be projecting stuff. Apparently, people will sit on, on chairs, chairs, but low, sort of loungy chairs. Yes, right? sort of low, low to the ground type right, chairs. Right, so they can have the 360 that's experience. Right. And, then but, we'll and play, by the way, some of some of those are putting D-box chairs inside of those. That's really cool. Right, that would be right. a great cross promotion for this yeah. thing. The experience people are really wonderful. But playing in this band is myself, uh, Scott Page from Pink Floyd, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone, Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction, Kenny Olson from That's Kid so Rock. Cool. Uh, there's a guy. Um, are they all wearing like multiple earrings like you are? Because that makes you a musician too. I, I don't know anymore. Or makes me or a hairdresser. One of the two. <laughs> or, you know, now that I'm an old guy, I guess I, I'm, I'm looking to pivot. But somewhere. you don't have like long hair. You don't I have. Certainly, like, I've kind of crazy. I got the. Yeah, you got. It's the long hair. in places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the, my, I still have long hair, but it's all on my chest now. <laughs> too much sharing. Too yeah, too much sharing. Much sharing exactly. But uh, there's a guy, John Stancorp, who's going to be playing. Um, you know, he's one of the guitar players who he does a full-time uh, uh, Pink Floyd cover band, and he's going to be singing all the vocals because our singer uh, Robbie Wyckoff, who whose name I know because my daughter and I are big Phineas and Ferb fans, he's on the road singing with Pablo Cruz. But uh, Roberta Freeman, who actually uh, toured with Pink Floyd, is singing with us. It's going to be a great show. So, are you going to? In that case, you're not responsible for the tech. Right? I know, but in my case, and I was one of the first people in the world to be doing this when I said I I made the transition from being a digital audio workstation yeah. tech to sort of a uh, virtual instrument evangelist. Yeah. And that, by the way, when I did that in about 2000 or 2002, yeah. that brought a whole new wave of clients my way. That's how I became associated with Dr. Dre. So, so okay, we have to go back to that because I'm sure everyone's going to want to hear about that. But when you say virtual instrument, do you mean it's on a computer? It's on a computer, and you're okay. basically using a hosting program, which is a program that you set up and you you put the plug-in, essentially. They used to call them extensions. Now they're plugins, And, it, you know, this one sounds like an electric piano. This one sounds like a synthesizer right, right. or a very expensive synthesizer. We have that you a recorder get. in there that my daughter's taking piano on and she can change it to be piano sounding it's, or something else. It's something exactly else. like yeah. this, only these are really high end, well tuned. Like there was a classic synthesizer, the mini mug, right? right? At one point I had about four different virtual mini mugs, but also that you can use a sampler program and you can get an extremely real and beautiful sounding orchestra or mm -hmm. horns, you know, on, on the comfortably numb and the uncomfortably numb. I've got horns in, in the left hand and strings in the right and Hammond organ up on top on the top keyboard. And, you know, it's, uh, it gives you a lot of flexibility. The program that I use is something that is a companion program to logic pro called main stage. And it came about because a lot of people were doing this way of using 
dumb keyboards, you know, just controllers is what they call them. There's no voices, no sounds built into them, but they send their signals, MIDI, Mm -hmm. out to the computer, and the computer knows which keyboard and what place they're coming from, and outputs either through an audio interface or just directly out of the sound uh, output of the computer. So when you show up at this event this week, you're going to be with a computer? I'm always with a computer. And are you with a keyboard too? That's connected to the computer. Yes, I have. Uh, I have my setup is that I have a very simple 88 key weighted controller for things like piano sounds, things that you would expect that kind of weighted piano, electric piano. And then the one on top, I have it basically industrial Velcroed so that it's like one very smooth unit, yeah. a 61 key kind of soft touch controller that's more for like playing synthesizer. Or and then organ. it's all connected to a computer so you can manage what the sounds are. Absolutely. And often I'll have, I'll have layered sounds or I'll have what they call splits, which is basically, you know, if you're playing a piano sound, often what's at the very bottom of the keyboard or the very top of the keyboard, it's not really playable. So you can create with this program and People have been able to do this for a long time, but using this program makes it very simple and very flexible. Right. You can have two keys that play one sound or the an octave that's in the very low end. You transpose it up so that it's really easy to, uh, you know, like you're not using this section here. So you just, this becomes your little solo on this sound. And same thing with the, with the high end. Uh, uh, of the the keyboard, you get to use things much more effectively. Well, it's it really sounds to me like you are a technician, but there's an artistry to it. So you're because computer science, a lot of people think it's just you're a data nerd, but you're really an artist. And what you're talking about is understanding the tech and what it can do, and using it to create art. Absolutely, and you know, even talk. There's people like uh, Stephen Perkins, the drummer uh, from Jane's Addiction, who's playing with us. I've known Stephen for a long time, and he is somebody who would use different kinds of drum kits and different sounds. And he's somebody who instead of just, okay, now I'm now I'm playing the same thing I always play, but it's on a different kit. No, he's somebody who really interacts with whatever particular piece of, of equipment he's using. Uh, and I was just talking, uh, the three of us, me and Stephen and his tech, were talking about, well, you know, we could create a laptop type rig for him yeah, with yeah. other sounds okay now you're playing electronic sounds okay, so build, build playing, something for him yeah yeah that's so, cool. so that he can have flexibility of the sounds and control of the sounds and uh, to to do this gig uh to do this geodesic the wisdom gig sorry uh they want us to be all in-ear monitors or all headphones mo- headphone monitors with no sound coming from the stage Huh. So, because they want you to hear everything in the headphones. Oh, they also want to be able to control the sound out to the room. Right, right, and adjust it so that way, if they manage everything, so someone else is going to be the the sound engineer managing right. all. Right. Our pal Andy Kravitz is going to be doing all the hard sound stuff. Huh. Who's he's wonderful, great guy, Lenny's cousin, <laughs> and, and a great drummer too, That's outstanding just, drummer. So crazy how, how many famous people you know. When when they someone said to me because uh, I'm a big <laughs> fan. Yeah, you do. You know a lot of famous people. When, um, uh, besides <laughs> me, of course. But when when uh when I watched uh, the Star Is Born, the new version of it, somebody whispered over to me and said, "Oh, I think they've augmented Bradley Cooper's voice." You know. Um, I want to say this about that. Yeah. My dear friend, who was. You know, it would it would not do her justice to say she was the receptionist at Westlake Audio, although she was the receptionist. She is so much more, and she's become a great uh, uh, 
uh, coordinator, project coordinator, uh, and doing all these great things for a thousand years now since she left Westlake, my friend Lisa Einhorn, but that she was heavily involved in making that, uh, in, you know, with all the people making yeah. that soundtrack. Yeah. I think Bradley is somebody who, is, Bradley Cooper is somebody who's naturally talented and can do that stuff. Right, right. But that he took voice lessons, he took guitar playing lessons. Every production you hear, even in the days before Auto-Tune, there was a lot of work that went into making the records sound good. It, if, if for no other reason, the limitations of, of audio tape that they, they worked to make. So did they do stuff to the vocal? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they mixed it and they did a good job with it and they they, they had him record it as many times as he could or, or do the performance. Until of it. they it was, found the right one. To, yeah. till, till it was, and it was acceptable to him because right. he was the director. Right, but right. I do believe that he's the type of artist that would, that would have pounded like, away at it. Like Lady Gaga, right. that the live performance and really doing the task is important to Right, them. right. And it, uh, to me, it came through and I, and I just thought, I don't even care if it's not him. It sounded great. Did you see the old one? Oh, I've seen all of them. There was there was more than one, oh, more yeah, than two. This is the fourth one. Really? Yes, yes. Because I just love you, and I, I even before. Thirty-two, forty-eight, seventy-six, and now, and they all capture the generation. I just I just knew about the seventy-six one. No, it's Bob. Streisand, and Judy Garland, and then oh my God, I can't remember her name for the. But original. I thought it was funny. Even first color it, movie for her. Even when I saw the trailer before they said it was a Star Wars, yeah. they showed they showed Bradley Cooper and it, he's doing his best. Chris Christopherson. Right, right. And I was just like, oh my God, they're going to be redoing Star was, Is Born. Was, How cool! Uh, it was what's his face's son, right, and his band that did the music. That was his band. Um, uh, Bob Dylan's son? No, not Bob Dylan's. Um, you know, Pigtails guy. Um, Bob Dylan. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Nelson. Oh, really? Willie Nelson's son, and I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Him. And he was the band. He, he did was a lot. His of, band. He did a lot of work with, uh, I believe, um, Neil Young. Yeah, before yeah, doing this. yeah. He was Neil Young's band. Right, right, exactly. All right, we're going to take one more break, and when we come back, um, we're just going to find out how we find Eric, how we dig more into this, if you're interested, if you're excited about this. Also, you know, the stuff that we're talking about, which is virtual immersive technologies, which are going to be very dependent on sound, and not only regular sound now, but sound that can be, you know, 360, right. um, which is the new way that theaters are going, like Dolby Sound is all about 360, where you can actually send a singular piece of music, tone, anything to any speaker in the... In saw, the saw some movie with my daughter last weekend, and we just happened to pick the right seats. It was a new Grinch movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, we are in the right yeah. seats to have this sound be perfect. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, they can send it to anywhere. All right, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Eric Mayeron, media technologist, and also friend to many famous musicians, as we've just learned. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> friend to Very the famous. Friend to the famous. And we'll be back in a moment. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. 
How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. We are, uh, obviously, we're chatting. <laughs> but I have my friend and guest, Eric Mayer, on here. He's a media technologist, musician, and uh, specializes in doing all of the sound mixing and composing and, and helping um, other recording artists with the technology side of the music industry, which we could talk about for many different shows. And also friend to Dr. Dre. We were oh, I, I don't know. You know, I worked for Dre for a long time. And in fact, he came in what I would call my second wave. There was a period where I was not a hair wave, but a wave in your sort of business. But I do have wavy hair, yeah. and, and 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 if I if we're, if we are talking about my my wave my hair wave, then I have way more than two waves. Right, right. But the first wave was spent as a Pro Tools tech who just kept those systems running, and I used to joke around with one other guy on the West Coast who could really do what I did, and you know I said, well, I'm just going to brand myself, and if I'm calls, I'm be I'm the best Pro Tools tech in the world. Well, that really translated for a long time. And then five years later, there was a bunch of other guys who'd come up and they said that they were the same thing. Right, it got and democratized. That's it what got happened. democratized. Right. That's that's my buzzword for but the day. But what did you do with Dr. Dre? You were his Pro Tools guy? What, what happened was through working with one of my, a guy who's still a client uh, and a wonderful family friend uh, is uh, a producer named Matthew Wilder. And I have been with Matthew now for 25 years, something like that. And uh, it was through a session for Matthew Wilder that I met a bass player who was on his first session, his first professional bass playing session. He was just out of high school, a bass player named Mike Elizondo. And the first time I worked for Mike, he didn't have a computer at all. He had a particular kind of MIDI interface, musical instrument digital interface. A MIDI interface is something that with many outputs, so you can go to a bunch of pieces of how they used to do it before virtual instruments is they had pieces of rack gear or keyboards that you would hook up and then they had this one program that everybody used and now they a lot of them use a, uh, a virtual version of it, but it was an MPC. Uh, and what is an MPC? An Akai MPC is a 
machine. It's a freestanding piece of hardware and it's got a little LCD window in it and you're making songs in it. You're basically, you know, you set up an eight bar loop and here's my, you can hook a keyboard to it so you can get notes, but it's also got drum pads on oh, it. So it can do and, everything. Well, it, it keeps track of this stuff. And the reason why it made sense for people writing pop music is because, okay, well, here's an eight bar section right well here's my verse i've just created my verse oh now i put you know as the loop goes by look and now i'm putting drums on it now i got you so know they could keyboard bass mix, and they could do, right there not even mixing it's yeah. pro that's the beginning laying of programming down, lay, so they're laying down these notes and it would spin them back and it was it would say okay here this is my verse this is my chorus <laughs> it's not even being a but musician it's, the tech is it's, really a, interesting. it's about how it came along yeah and uh yeah. he hired me and uh, mike hired me initially to make it so that he could program stuff on his MPC and it would see it would be read on channel one of each of the disparate pieces of gear of you know mm -hmm. sound re reproduction gear and in the years that followed he became closer with Dr. Dre he'd been working with Dre and um, in fact Mike is one of the is probably the really important co-writer on all of the early uh, Eminem stuff, all that, all the really fun, cool stuff. And that's what I think of yeah. Eminem. Wow, that is old school well, now. And, and but then yeah, after that, yeah. um, an artist named 50 Cent came in and did a song called In the Club. And they had used Mike's, Mike was one of the first artists that I worked with who we built his home studio and then I made him a laptop so he could use in the studio the stuff that I had started to use yeah. live. And mm -hmm. I was kind of evangelizing that way. He brought it to Dr. Dre. They did a bunch of stuff. There was an early sampler or sample library player program called Unity from a company called Bitheads that's not around anymore that he was using. And not Unity now. That is the different one. 3D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that... Uh, and that they did uh, they did uh, in the club on that, and he said in the club is all unity being triggered by, and that was the unique thing about the doing stuff with Dr. Dre. Instead of it being a computer that was sequencing, capturing the sequence and playing back the sounds, now we just had a host program, and the MPC was controlling that stuff, mm -hmm. and that was very unique at the time. And um, so things keep coming th new new um new ways to leverage the tech absolutely it's rolling out. and the, even this was old but that uh once once they had a big hit within a club which was all unity except for the uh guitar and the vocal um and then dre had to have a piece so you know after i went in i set up dre's first machine mm. you know and this was very common for me back then people would point to their wall full of sound making pieces of rack gear in the back and so what do i need all that stuff for now and that was common it was very difficult to hook some stuff up like that in those yeah. days so so now you don't need any of that no but some are like back uh still enjoys the idea of having the actual old school because he likes analog the, he likes the sounds that come from it i have to tell you or he the likes experience? the sound i think he likes that's a great way to put it. I think Beck likes the experience right. of interacting with it and the sliders and knowing it's right. You know, right. However, there's there's now things that you can capture the individual slider positions and uh, the control voltages, what they call. So, it, so we're gonna we're gonna have stuff. to end soon. But in that situation, in all these situations, are you constantly reading up on like what the new tech is, like, or or does it just show up at your next job? Like, I'm experiencing how do you keep it. Up? I'm experiencing it. So you show up a lot and of it's it, there. 
Uh, well, um, or is it always just like rolling out in the magazines? It is, it's rolling out online now. There's the magazines, yeah. not so much anymore, mm-hmm. or they'll have a cool YouTube video or some people will be talking. So about you're, it. are you following influencers and that's how you're mm, sort of, I, I have to stay ahead of the influencers. Okay. And I have a great friend who really, he's a little bit older than I am, but a guy named Barry Rudolph, who I love very much. I met him when we were teaching together at a couple of different recording schools, but Barry has done some astounding records. You know, he'll tell me a record he worked on and I'm taken back to being 12 years old and mm-hmm. hearing, hearing a particular sound that greatly influenced me, you know, right, out of a right. keyboard. And I was, he was like, Oh yeah, I recorded that when I was a youngster. And, uh, so he, he and I are very much alike. So I always, I always love bouncing stuff off of, um, Barry. And I would say that in his world, Barry's a real influencer because all the companies send him gear for reviews. Right. right so he's right. talking about it. Plus so, so you, you have to do, and forgive me for interrupting you, but you have to do a lot of what a lot of our guests do, which is keep up. That's right. So you're online, you're digging in, you're figuring out, you're doing the research so that you know what the next big That's right. thing and is. And certain certain underground communities or you know getting the demo of something and trying it out and seeing how how is how does this make me feel? How is is this really as cool? There's there's a thing in engineers that where they say, "Oh, you got to get this thing." Nobody really knows or can quantify what how it sounds, right. but oh, all these guys say it's true and I like I pride myself in knowing that knowing I re- that I really know what's up. I So I've where, always... where can people find you cuz we're going to have to wrap. Okay, got it. Um you can call me, 818-231-5050. And <laughs> online, in, Eric Mayron, do you have a website? Um, Are you tweet, uh, tweeting? Fa- Facebook, E-R-I-C-M-A-Y-R-O-N. I really don't Twitter that much. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, what I think about gear and life and very occasionally politics is on my Facebook okay, page. Okay. And that, that's really it, you know, for, for So to get some years, musical uh, information, to get insights, to if they want to book you, go to your Facebook page? Yeah, and my, my music's on SoundCloud, which employs a lot of the technology. Okay. You know, um, reach out to me. There's a lot of great stuff that I can share Eric with Eric Mayron, friend to celebrity musicians, media technologist. <laughs> is that what happened to me, really? Um, someone who has been working with producers, composers, and recording artists for many years, combining technology with mu- music artistry, um, and really, um, you know, going into the future with all of this fantastic stuff. Let's have a big tech hand. Well, uh, thank you for <laughs> Eric Mayron. <laughs> oh and we will, we will be back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, our fabulous engineer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next week, hopefully with someone as fun as Eric has been. Um, you were totally fun. Okay, good. So it wasn't dead air time. No, no, okay, it wasn't good. dead air. This is great. Really interesting to just see how tech trends are impacting all sorts of business categories, including the music industry. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lloyd. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 